Julie French is an executive coach, a certified master trainer of NLP, and a certified trainer of the Havening Techniques. Along with her partner, Tony Burgess, she is the co-creator of the Academy of High Achievers in Stafford, England, and the co-author of Beliefs and How to Change Them. You are listening to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, a show devoted to uncovering the systems and the secrets that set the best apart, where you learn how to take your coaching clients to the next level, while you grow the coaching practice of your dreams. So sit back and relax, or sit up and get excited. Either way, you might want to pay attention. This could be important. All right, so I am joined today with Julie French. Julie, welcome to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. Thank you very much, Doug. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. And and just out of curiosity, where are you, actually? I know. Well, I often ask that question myself. Um, I'm in the UK. I'm in the United Kingdom, and I probably hear that from my accent yeah, but and do I'm in Stafford. do air quotes when you say United Kingdom these days United <laughs> Kingdom I know um, and I'm in Staffordshire so I'm in a, a beautiful little village just outside Stafford oh. which is between Birmingham and Manchester nice okay cool so is that considered Yorkshire then no it's considered Staffordshire oh I beg your pardon Oh, I get it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's not much that we can say. <laughs> Display I mean, ignorance right from the get <laughs> Oh, dear. So, yes, I'm so glad that you're here. So, um, for disclosure's sake of, of the people listening, you and I know each other through the world of the havening techniques. We were both mm. havening techniques trainers. And it wasn't too long ago, a month or two ago, that um, I was listening to you on one of those uh, worldwide havening practice groups that we, we zoom out to the world. And you were talking about coaching and how that you'd gotten certified in coaching from Thomas Leonard, who is the same person I got certified in coaching back in the nineties. I hate to admit that, but it was, it was back in the nineties. Um, and so I just was like, so impressed by that because a lot of people have never even heard of him. He died terribly young uh, at the age of 47 in 2003. Um, and although his, his creations have gone on, you know, Coach Vell and Coach U are still things, the International Fo- Coaching Federation, he, he started all those things. Um, still, a lot of people never heard of him and think coaching has just always been around, but he invented it. He, without, before him, it, it wasn't existing. So I was just so impressed that you also have had a, you know, personal experience with him and uh, that coach. What, what year were you introduced to coaching? Okay, so um, here's a little bit of my story, Doug. Yeah. So um, for, I started my career as a social worker and then went up the hierarchical ladder. You probably don't even know any of this. Um, and, uh, and I ended up as a, in a leadership role in, in social work. So I managed large county-wide services. And, um, 
and and one day towards the end of the 90s i sort of looked into the future and i didn't like what i saw i thought if um if i don't do something proactive i'm going to be here until until i retire and um it wasn't that um i had parted company with social work but certainly the management role um i was less interested in and there is a, a point to this story which is that when i looked in my diary or when i when i um you know when i when i was approaching a day anything to do with management development and people management development um you know really fueled me and um and that that told me you know something and and there wasn't enough of it and i thought oh what you know how would it be if i had a job which was really all about developing people and helping people to be the best that they could be that would be amazing and then a friend of mine mentioned this thing called coaching so we're now in sort of 1999 and i i was you know curious what what on earth is what is that tell me more about it and her coach was a coach you coach and um so i said well you know where can i find out about this so i sent off for a pack it arrived and i can still remember the day when i opened that pack up and it was like everything i want to do is in here mm. it was you know, it was really very very instant for me so i can you describe what was in well signed i'm just terribly curious what's in there well, I mean, it was really um, about the coach training and about, um, you know, what, what coaching was all about. So it was and books and templates or it was tapes and... It was, um, yeah, it was. It was, it was like, um, it was like a brochure. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, and with, with phone this number. So I rather hungrily you know rank called this number and um before very long i was waving my my credit card and booking on to to the coach you fundamentals course and at that time if you remember uh, (laughs) it was all i mean maybe it it still is all telecast based learning telephone and i had to learn how to use this thing called the internet wow I know. I had to learn how to use this thing called email. Wow. It was, you know, quite quite something. Well, if you think that um, you, um I I did it all on telecast. It was before I knew anything email. I, I, none of yeah. what I did was on email with Thomas. It was all phone calls. Telephone. Yeah. 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 So I launched straight into it. I got my my jump start coach and um my my jump start program and then i was you know i was in and i still to this day so you know over 20 years later refer to that uh, thomas leonard material the personal foundation program so much good stuff in there you know zapping your tolerations and creating boundaries and getting your needs met and you you know clear about your values and living in integrity simplifying your life you know i mean i i 
I use such a lot of this, this, um, these resources, these tools in, well, every day in my coaching. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, it's, Thomas Leonard was a genius, or at least, yeah, he was channeling something at that time. It was amazing. He was churning out so much stuff. And like you said, yeah. still valuable. I, I, whenever I have a coach client, I send the clean sweep to them. And um, yes. recommend that we do it every you know few months and go through that. It's just a great tool, and it's just so great tool. Clear. And you know, I will say I I never have gotten a hundred percent on it myself. You know, I I I don't wear very expensive sunglasses and you know things like that. I still bump into things. Um, <laughs> some of the things on that list are just kind of silly. You know, do you bump into things? It's like, yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> we'll stop it. Um, but, uh, you know, so <laughs> I think it could possibly be updated for the, for the state. Yeah. Well, I mean, oh. it definitely <laughs> could be updated, but, but I mean, the, the, and do you make your bed every day? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> There's some really, <laughs> yeah, really, really good things in there. And, you know, and I think the, the principle in there about, um, you know, when we, when we clean up, these areas you know um that we have more energy i think is there's an absolute truth in that and i can remember one of the first things that uh, i approached that was a toleration was um i don't know whether in in the u.s you have a concept of a tupperware cupboard Mm. but you know the cupboard in the kitchen where when you open it up all the plastic boxes fall out and they haven't got lids you know one of those (laughs) yeah one of those cupboards (laughs) and um i remember my coach you know um tasking me to clear that cupboard up you know take everything out put everything back that had a lid chuck everything away and um on the basis that i would i would have more energy and um you know, I still do those kinds of things from time to time. You know, I have a good clear out of a cupboard or a drawer or, you know, my my uh, my wardrobe, your closet, as you would as you would say. And um, and, you know, if I want more energy, I just open the door of the, of the cupboard, um, have a look at how tidy it is. And I can feel myself, you know, um, getting energized. Oh, that is so interesting. That is so interesting. Um, yeah, no, I, I, just as an aside, uh, a number of years ago, I was, when I was working with a Jungian therapist. I, I was, a, I was a client, I was a, a patient or whatever, um, doing Jungian psychology, Jungian analysis. And, um, he told me a story about, um, the Chinese proverb about uh, a rainmaker that I use with my coaching now all the time, because it's right in line with that, you know, why? Why would a tidy cupboard make any difference? Why would having your bed made every morning make any difference? Who cares? You know, nobody's yeah. going to see my bed, whether it's made or they'll see my cupboards. So what does it matter? But this, the story of the Rainmaker, I think, is illustrative of why that actually does take place. And the story goes like this. Um, it's, a, it's a Taoist story, if I recall correctly. And the story is that there was a village that was um, having a drought, a terrible drought. And so they heard about this, this magic person who was a Rainmaker. So they sent for him. And this is, of course, a long time ago. So that, you know, it took him a while to get the message and a while for him to arrive. But when he finally did, 
um, he noticed that this town was like terribly out of touch with the Tao. Like their beds weren't made, their cupboards were all untied. <laughs> Lots of evidence that they were out of touch with the Tao. Um, so they said, well, what do you need? You know, thank you for coming to, you know, help us make rain. Do, do, do you need a bonfire? Do you need uh, drummers? Do you need to sacrifice a goat or something? He said, oh, no, 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 thank you. I don't need any of those things. In fact, um, all I need from you is a place to stay outside of the village, if possible, because, you know, frankly, the town is so out of touch with the Tao, I don't actually want to be in it, but somewhere nearby would be, be perfect. And so they set him up in this little cottage and he, you know, the first day he arises with the sun, gets up, sweeps the walk, gathers wood to make his tea, makes the tea, has breakfast at breakfast time, lunch at lunch time, dinner at dinner time, goes to sleep with the sun. Next day he arises with the sun, sweeps the walk, gathers wood for his tea, makes breakfast, it's lunch time at lunch time, dinner at dinner time, goes to sleep with the sun. Third day, he arises with the sun, sweeps the walk, gathers wood for the tea, has breakfast at breakfast time, lunch at lunch time, dinner at dinner time, and goes to sleep with the sun. And then on the fourth day, it rained. Yeah, so that's the story. So basically, the idea is that you get yourself into the right flow, and the rain, yes. rain is symbolic of flow. Yes. And that you get yourself, you get all your ducks in a row, get things the way they're supposed to be. And it might not happen immediately, but pretty soon, you know, flow mm -hmm. starts happening. You get into the flow of life and things start working the way they're supposed to. Yeah. 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 No, that really, it's a lovely story and that really resonates with me. And, um, and I think it, it is a work in progress. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, you know, it needs constant attention. And um, so bringing in another favourite of mine, um, Stephen Covey, mm. you know, I love him. I love his metaphor of the flight path. Yes. You know, and I, I use that a lot with people. Tell, tell us that. Tell us that. That is brilliant. Yeah. Well, it, it's, uh, you know, if, if you were, if I was flying from Birmingham to, to New York, um, you know, I'd need a starting point and I would need, you know, to have a destination. But the pilot, most of the flying of the plane, as I understand it, is about getting the plane back onto the flight path. Mm -hmm. So conditions, weather conditions is all, always going to buffet you off that flight path. But as long as you know what the flight path is, then... Um, you can be calibrating, you can be checking all the time. You know, where am I now? Am I on the flight path? And if I've drifted off the flight path, in other words, you know, that cupboard has become a bit of a mess again. Mm -hmm, yeah. um, well, you know, I'm off the flight path. I need to get myself back on it again. And I think that's just such a great metaphor for life, isn't it? Very, And it's very forgiving as well. You know, one of the things I love about uh, Stephen Covey was um, he was very real, as well as writing The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he also wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Families. Hmm. And when my kids were little, um, it was a, a really great resource. Hmm. And he had nine children. And, and so what he said was, do I do I drift off the flight path? Absolutely, I do. You know, sometimes do I get impatient with the kids? Um, yes, 
Um, but getting back on the flight path is ownership, responsibility, and an apology. And I thought, well, you know, that's just very forgiving. It's not about being perfect. It's mm. about, um, you know, always looking at what we can do to develop. Yeah. Yeah, that's neat. I didn't know that that book, actually. I, I don't have a, any kids, but um, but I didn't even know that book existed. That's really cool. I, I'm very familiar with this book, uh, First Things First, which is uh, also filled with wonderful metaphors and things that I yeah. also use in my coaching. Yeah, I, I highly agree. Stephen Covey was was a great, great resource. And this first, first Things First is great. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People is great. I'm glad to know of that other book. I'll check that out. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it's great because it's got all the same, you know, the same kind of resources mm. um, for, for, for families. So, um, you know, having a clear idea about, you know, what your mission is as a, as a parent uh-huh. or parent. Uh-huh. I mean, what a concept. And, um, and you have this idea of having uh, family meetings. Right. And... Um, so I, you know, I, we used to call family meetings <laughs> when the kids were little, you know, and, uh, and I give everybody the opportunity to, to speak and, you know, say what's bothering them. And <laughs> it was, um, it was great. So again, it's when I'm coaching and the issues are to do with parenting or, you know, being the best parent that I can be. I often refer people to that book. Mm, nice. I found it really helpful. Wow. So one of the things I, I'd like to do when I'm doing these interviews with people and um, uh, asking about essential coaching skills is to say, you know, what do you think from all that background stuff that you have, from, from working with Thomas Leonard, from work with Stephen Covey, or at least knowledge from his books, what, what do you think if a person's starting off in, in coaching or maybe just wants to get better at the coaching that they're doing now, what do you think are really essential coaching skills for a person mm. to have to master to become a great coach? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think a fundamental one in the toolkit is, um, is, is asking thought-provoking questions. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. I mean, you know, open questions that really help people to think. Another resource that I came across very early on, which I think I mentioned in the um, uh, in the session that, that where where you saw me speak, mm-hmm. um, was Nancy Klein's book "Time to Think," hmm. and that do you know that book? No. Oh wow! Well, it's definitely worth worth picking up. It's um, it's got to be it's got to be twenty years old now. She wrote a, a a sequel called Very Creatively More Time to Think. <laughs> um, so Nancy Klein with a K, okay. and um, and I love that book because it's re- reminded me that um, one of the things that you know. Uh, there's a, a, a lack of, particularly in busy working, um, you know, environments, mm-hmm. is good quality thinking time. And, you know, particularly, as I say, where there's a lot going on, 
you know, people are you know operating often in very fast-paced kind of way. Um, there's a te- can be a tendency for people to interrupt each other mm-hmm. and, uh, and interrupt each other's thinking. And so she 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 talks a lot about you know creating a thinking environment, and she talks about. Um, creating the opportunity for people to have thinking partnerships. And I think coaching is, um, you know, it offers that opportunity for people to have really good quality thinking. Mm. And the questions that we ask as coaches are such an essential ingredient. Do you have a a particular set of questions that you ask or is there a... um... That's just a, a template for how to ask thought-provoking questions. What what's mm. questions? Well, I, I think that my um, my questioning over the years, you know, the more you do it, the more intuitive it becomes. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I I kind of now am much more instinctive and much more intuitive about the kinds of questions I ask. But good questions tend to tend to be not always but tend to be more open questions what do you mean by open question open questions so the so the the um what would need to happen you know in order for you to achieve that um you know what would be some of the options that you might have available um how could you go about that um you know so the how the what the um the the i was i was going to say the when because you know that can be an important kind of question in terms of um, helping people to pin themselves down as to when they're actually going to take action and do something um but those kind of open questions as opposed to closed questions that have a yes or no answer uh-huh. Okay. So, do you think um or even the um is it because of this or this um you know giving people two two choices mm-hmm. rather than the kind of question well what do you think the reason for that might be i see i see so it's promoting discussion promoting conversation rather than uh, yes or no mm. well that. P- promoting um thinking uh-huh. yeah okay. yeah cool. so really good quality open thought provoking questions problem solving questions discovery type questions yeah uh, would that book finds time to think have um was that a way to learn how to ask questions like that is that where you learned how to do yeah. that there is a um it's a while since i've read it actually but uh, and i usually have it on my desk <laughs> um to wave at people but um <laughs> there is a um there's a set of questions in there that um and I, i'm going to leave that as a cliffhanger so that uh, you know the listener <laughs> the <laughs> listener will go oh i think i need to order that book on on amazon and um, find these um, this set of questions, but there's um, there's a good set of questions which get really underneath people's belief systems, 
So what are you assuming about that answer? And what mm. are you assuming about that answer? And what are you assuming about that? So we can get a bedrock assumption. Mm. Be mm. Uh, powerful. That's very interesting. Is that sort of how you came up? Did you, you co-wrote a book, did you not, about belief change with Tony Burgess? I did. Well, yeah, we, we, we've written um, a couple of books. Mm-hmm. Well, we've written three, but the first one was a bit of, a, um, a bit of an, a, an, ex- <laughs> an experiment. Um, but the two more recent ones, um, the one you're referring, I mean, both of them we wrote years ago, probably 10, probably 10, 10 years ago now. The one you're referring to is our six-step belief change process right. or belief and how to change them for good. But that's actually, uh, that actually isn't in there. Oh, okay. So that would be assuming. Although one of the steps is about doing a belief audit. Um, so it is about uh, helping you to uncover what um, thoughts, assumptions, ideas, um, you know, um, senses that you might have mm-hmm. and uh, putting them into, um, you know, are they smoothing the way or are they getting in the way? But I'm giving you some of the, so one of the, have you, have you read our book? Yes. Doug? Yes, I have. You have? I have, yes. <laughs> I actually own a copy. <laughs> Um, but I am just very curious, the, um, going back for a moment to Thomas Leonard, would you say that when you do coaching with people that you are kind of using more of the Thomas Leonard, if you will, template for coaching, or would you say that you have evolved to do more of the, you know, pink bucket thinking or various other things that you've developed on your own over the years? Yeah, I, I would say that, um, that my coaching as I reflect on it now has very much um, you know evolved mm-hmm. as I've gathered skills along the way so I started with Thomas Leonard then very very soon after that I got into NLP mm-hmm. and I know that um, you know you're a big NLP fan as well mm, yeah. and started my whole journey in NLP and and then of course my coaching became very integrated in with NLP and using NLP methods and NLP techniques mm-hmm. um so yeah that was that that's evolved and then of course every book that I've read and you know I'm referring to 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 Stephen Covey I'm referring to to um you know, Nancy Klein, as, as we kind of pick up books to develop ourselves and develop our practice, we tend to find ourselves including what we learn in our, in our coaching, don't we? Yes, indeed. It's very it's sort of eclectic. Yeah. 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 So um, when you do coaching, do you have, is it, is it, completely client centered then or is it just based on your intuitive uh, feeling about what this person needs and then you try to work with that person or do you have a a sort of set 
you know, kind of way of going about coaching that you, you know, want to cover this material and this material and this material? How do you go about it? So um, it's very client-centered and um, pretty well always starts the actual getting into the coaching mm-hmm. um, with, uh, you know, getting a clear outcome for the coaching. Great. That what do you want question? What are you looking to achieve? How will you know that this coaching has been successful? Um, you know, if I had, if I had a, a magic dust and I could sprinkle it over you and everything's just the way you want it to be, how would you know? And um, I, I, I always, always get into outcomes very, very early on. I learned that really through um you know my sort of nlp yeah world yeah um but of course sometimes the first part of any coaching session is just people wanting to to talk and offload and you know just share what's going on for them um but i'll always try and get that what we call that a to b journey Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i'll always want to get want to get that and and then once we've got that, the tools will be very much determined by what that A to B journey is. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. That's so interesting. You know, I, I came to coaching after having learned NLP. I was uh, learned NLP back in uh, 1985. And I wow. met Thomas, yeah, I met Thomas Leonard um, at a conference where he and I were both speaking. Um, it's hard for me to imagine that when I think back, but it's true. Um, he and I were both presenters at a, at a conference and um, I was intrigued. I mean, I met him briefly backstage, but I, I was intrigued by his talk. And so I, I did what you did. I called up that number and, you know, started doing things over the phone with him. And, um, but, I, you know, I was always thinking through it kind of an NLP lens, you know, that kind of meta model you know, how specifically is that going to work kind of questions would, would be coming up. Um, you know, how do we create anchors for this, you know, create, so it becomes systematized. It was always kind of in my thinking. And I, part of it in the back of my mind, um, have always kind of wondered how people can actually do coaching effectively without incorporating NLP into it. Because it seems to me, my you know particular uh, prejudice or whatever it, it seems to me so essential you know mm-hmm. in essential coaching skill I mean it seems so essential to be able to ask those kinds of questions yeah, you know? yeah. and to create I, an outcome for a person and you know to with them to be very clear on how will you know when you've got it what specifically will you see hear or feel and know that lets you know that you've gotten it you know sort of so it seems so critical do you find yeah. that as well completely completely yeah um and uh you know as a as a havening trainer now mm-hmm. and uh you know we're assessing people who want to go on and and become certified practitioners um you know i i i mean i can really i can i can i really know the people the difference between the people who've got those skills and the and the ones who um, who who haven't, and the the difference in terms of the the, the outcomes, the quality of the outcomes. Mm. 
Yeah. That's very interesting. I'm sure, I'm guessing that there will be a few people listening who are haveners. So, um, <laughs> so now that you've opened that little, little door, <laughs> let's go a little further inside. Um, tell me more about that. What, what, uh, what do you mean by, I mean, what kind of advantage does NLP give somebody who does havening? Oh, well, well, I mean, first of all, if we just start with havening, um, havening, the wonderful thing about havening is it does blend in with all manner of other tools that people have got in their toolkit. So, you know, I want to be respectful to um, the havener that's listening, um, that, uh, you know, it, it it really can blend, as I say, and, and, and enhance other tools. So obviously we're incredibly biased, aren't yeah. we? Well, well, you are. <laughs> <laughs> You're just telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for seeing that. Um, just by the way, before you hold that thought right there, just hold that thought. I just want to say for people who, who are listening that don't know what havening is, um, havening is a psychosensory therapy similar to EFT or TFT, different tapping techniques, um, similar to EMDR, which uses lateral eye movement and bilateral stimulation to create, in all cases, delta waves, which in turn release different chemicals into the brain like oxytocin and serotonin, dopamine and GABA and various other th- mechanisms take place. So it, it becomes a, a really amazing uh, kind of applied neuroscience that enhances, therefore, whatever else you're doing, like NLP, et cetera, as far as I'm concerned. Um, it's a real great, as we say, bolt on for those other sorts of therapies. And yeah. sometimes people come to Havening who don't have those other therapies, you know, to start with. Mm. Like, wow, what's this? And they just, you know, start learning Havening. Um, so, what 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 do you see? What do we what do we kind of need to say are the basics of extra um, extra coaching, extra coach coach curricular? I don't know how to say this. Um, <laughs> tools beyond the havening, just touching some you know your face and getting delta waves. What what do what is what do you think is really critical? It's essential for somebody to really be good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the great thing is that there are a plethora of of very good books on on NLP. Um, You've written one yourself. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, you maybe have written more than one. No, 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 just the one. It's it's called The User's Guide to Slide. There are are a lot of really good books on on NLP. And and I would would recommend to somebody that doesn't have NLP tools to, um, you know, just, just have a, have a little look at some, some NLP Do you have any material. I am a, a, I'm quite a big fan of, um, of Anthony Robbins actually. And uh, um, there's a lot to be said for his um, unlimited power. Wow. He's got some good NLP in there. Yeah, well, I mean, um, to tell you the truth, that is exactly what I tell people as well. And I, I'm, I'm really pleased to hear it coming out of your mouth <laughs> instead of mine. But yeah, I, I started off as a trainer for Tony Robbins, and um, his book, Unlimited Power, is an NLP book. And for my money, it's one of the most clearly written 
primers about NLP that's out there. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's, you know, one of the great things about the way that he writes is that it's very accessible, very easy to understand. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I would, I would definitely concur there that, uh, yeah, that would be, that would be a good, a really good, good place to start. Because I think when you, kind of um get these concepts the map is not the territory i mean wow what a concept mm-hmm. um and that that people are representing the world um you know in a in the sensory domain you know that that brings so much um information in terms of the way that we can help people to get out of their own way yeah when we can see that you know it's it's largely you know taking an inside out approach that it's largely you know the way that people are perceiving that is um you know getting in the way of the making progress and you know that's that's where we need to target our efforts right and um and you know havening works works so brilliantly because it it's a, a lovely way of integrating more conscious processes mm-hmm. with more unconscious amygdala based um responses right. and putting the two together you know we can get some great magic can't we because you know people's people's thinking can you know conscious thinking what they say to themselves you know either consciously or unconsciously can take them up the wrong path or can take them to to freedom and um so you know helping people to have better um internal processes at the same time as uh you know getting those touch based um you know as you say the 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 neurochemicals and the delta waves it's a it's a wonderful combination it really is and you know I'm curious about this as well. Just giving you a little background about what question I'm going to ask you. When I started doing NLP back in 1985, it was not, I had no intention of becoming a, a therapist. I was just something I was just curious about, interested in. Um, for me, I was just doing it for me. And it sort of evolved and happened because I became so interested in it that I started doing it more and more. And then people started asking, hey, what's going on? Can you help me with that? And it just sort of happened that I became a NLP and hypnosis practitioner just sort of evolved. Yeah. Um, and I've been doing it, you know, as a profession since 1990. That's my, my, my gig, you know, that's my thing. I do um, sessions with people, I do coaching with people. Um, and then I more, more recently do havening. And um, I have found that as effective as I have been over the years with NLP and hypnosis, that havening just brings another level to that. So when I learned havening in 2013, it, it changed things. And, and I, I still do NLP. I still do hypnosis. I still do coaching, you know, still refer back to Thomas Leonard's materials from 1999. Um, and I do co- havening with just about everybody that I work with at some point or another, I, I at least teach them how to do like affirmational havening or something like that. Yeah. Um, do you do that as well? Do you bring havening into your coaching? Like if somebody wants to just strictly speaking, do coaching with you, do you introduce havening to them as well? 
Yeah. Um, I listen for um, amygdala-based issues. Mm, yeah. um, so say I'm working with somebody and it's more corporate type coaching and, um, and they're talking about, um, say, um, you know, fear of public speaking mm-hmm. or, um, you know, worrying about um, a meeting um, or worrying about a meeting that they've just had mm-hmm. uh, or, um, you know, just, just um, you know, feeling guilty about, about things. You know, any of those kinds of things that come up are a great opportunity for us to talk about uh, the limbic system and, you know, in the brain and to talk about that oldest part of the brain that's, you know, they're serving us for survival. But, um, you know, can sometimes it, it, it can be like the alarm systems permanently on or it's like one of those car alarms where, you know, you walk past it. And you, you're nowhere near it, but the alarm goes off. It's like we're anywhere near that car, but the alarm system's gone off. It's like, you know, what's going on there? And yeah. some people are living their lives like that in, you know, yeah. in corporate life. That's interesting. And, Great uh, metaphor. I love yeah. the car alarms that say, step back from the car. It's like, yeah, screw <laughs> you. Who are you talking to me? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you the second question that I traditionally like to ask people on this podcast, and that is um, going back to essential coaching skills. Mm. Um, People, when they do coaching, often focus on how to be a good coach. Mm. And that's, of course, a critical skill set to have. And yet, doing that by itself is not necessarily going to make you um, have a, a, a positive bank balance at the end of the month um one needs to make money as a yeah so i'm just curious what do you think might be uh in the category of essential coaching skills for a coach to Mm. be successful as a business person you know to have a a viable coaching practice yeah well i mean i would say um you know marketing and sales are going to be pretty crucial okay Uh, pretty crucial and um oh my goodness i mean there there are so many different marketing models aren't there yeah um i mean just it's just really important to to recognize that you know it's like anything else that um you've got in the marketplace it's like you've got to wave a flag and say i'm here and this is what i do and um and and be visible in some way so whether it's your whether you're using social media or whether you are using more traditional forms of marketing and and selling um in other words you know more direct mm-hmm. um, approaching people or whether you're using the internet and you're using um you know adwords you've got to you know you've got to think about how am I going to get, how am I going to get clients? How am I going to get recognized? How am I going to be able to find, um, you know, I, how are people going to be able to find me? And um, people often, you know, when advising about marketing, will talk about 
what what we in the UK call niching, but I think you call it niching. Yes. Well, we pronounce things properly over here. In America. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it's, I mean, I can see that people have had a lot. I can see a lot of people have had success with getting a very, very clear, clearly defined offering um, that is aligned with what you love doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, so there's a, you know, there's a lot to be, a lot to be said for that. But I would say that kind of thing is, is pretty essential. You have an, and a then, niche for yourself? Do you have a particular niche? Sorry? Do you have a particular no. niche for yourself? No. No. <laughs> um, no. I, 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 I kind of raised it in a sort of, well, people say that that's what you should do. And, I, and I'm sure that's right. Um, myself and, and Tony, my business partner and life partner, um, have often talked about the whole niching thing but we're we're actually we both really like variety mm-hmm. and um, so we're probably not the right people to be um you know to, to be talking about this because we we tend to break the rules and um and 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 don't really want to pin it down i like variety i like coaching people um in all kinds of different areas and, um, and that's actually one of the cool things about coaching is, is as well as that you, you can coach people in a variety of different areas. I have people that I'm coaching for years. Sometimes people um, have been weekly coaching clients. I talk to them every week. Yeah. I know very little, if anything, about their business. Like how does, how did a guy who's a developer of um, uh, low-income housing in, in Florida you know, yeah. very, very successful at that. I, I've helped him be very, very successful, but I know absolutely nothing about being yeah. a developer. But I know about, you know, people and I know about communication and I know about beliefs and anchors and, you know, amygdala-based disorders and, you know, a variety of things can, can be very, very useful in a coaching practice that's, uh, that's just endlessly fascinating to me. I, I'm with you. I, I don't actually niche market myself as much as I should. But yeah. I've, I've also... Well, I mean- you know, I don't know about as much as I should because I think we're both um, on the same page in terms of helping people to um, have more choices because they feel good about themselves and because they have, um, you know, let go of maybe some baggage that they might have been carrying around and um, because they, you know, understand the power of mentally rehearsing Right. Um, what what they do want things like that which um so that's why it's very very transferable in that case yeah, and i'm totally with you when i first started coaching i was coaching people in industries i knew nothing about you know i had some some clients in um in the rail industry i've never worked in the rail industry i don't know anything about about it at all but it was very transferable that just didn't matter right because it was about, as you say, about human beings, human behavior, communication, um, you know, all of those things. And I will say this about the marketing aspect of things. Um, it, it is a necessary thing. And the more that you can enjoy the process, you know, the, the more you'll be able to, you know, do what's necessary 
to, to make it happen, make your, your coaching practice a viable one. And also it's nice to know that once you get it going to a certain level, um, it, then it becomes more of a maintenance thing. Yeah. You don't have to be spending too many hours of the day doing yeah. it, but it is yeah. something you do need to actually do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think around the, the, the sales side of it, you know, having, uh, having conversations with people who might be interested. Um, I, I, I realize as I look back that when I first started um, putting myself out there, um, my, my belief system was not as robust as it could have been. So in other words, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of certainty about myself as um as as somebody that could really offer value to people i had a little bit of self-doubt creeping in Mm. and um and as i've evolved um you know i realize now i'm 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 a lot less attached because i know what i do is of value to people and um and it's almost like and you know i wouldn't want this to come across too arrogant but it really you know i do have this sort of sense of um you know honestly take it or leave it because you know i know it's good and um you know that's very different to when i as i say when i first started yeah yeah certainly there is a a certain power in being able to say you know take it or leave it you know if you if you're desperate for the sale you're probably not going to get the sale yeah (laughs) yeah exactly exactly so you know that's um big change that I've noticed and also that you know I'm having those conversations I really do want to know whether or not this is right for this person Mm -hmm. and um, and whether I'm the right fit for this person so I'm um, you know I'm I'm, I'm a lot less attached I feel actually very unattached because I don't want to be coaching somebody that I don't feel is you know Mm -hmm. I'm the right I, you know I just want to be coaching well going back to the to the coach you material I remember you know one of the very first things we did was uh, identify our ideal client mm-hmm. and um, you know and that was very very powerful for me it's like you know actually I've left a job where there was a lot of stuff there that you know wasn't serving me I now want to create um, a, a life where it's you know i'm choosing the things that i put in including the clients right very cool well i I know that you have done exactly that and that's a really it's an amazing pleasure to have you on this this broadcast if you will um before we go before i let you go i know you've got things you've got to do i could talk to you all day but if people want to get hold of you uh julie french where will they be able to do that Oh, well, I can give you my email address. So, that, um, that'd be okay. Do you have a website as well? Is there anything like that? Or Yes. Oh, my goodness. We have, well, if I give you our hub website, because ah. uh, we have uh, we have several websites, <laughs> um, but you can find all of them from this hub website, which is all the W's, um, aha, A-H-A hyphen success dot com. Aha, success.com. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. AHA 
hyphensuccess.com and on there you you'll get access to our pink bucket thinking website our um our havening website and we also we also have a psychometric profiling business as well which is everything disc the wiley brand and uh, you can you can find that website as well very um, cool from that hub Disc is great stuff. That's really great. I didn't know that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, we've been partners. Oh, that's another story altogether. But we've been partners yeah. with Inscape, as was Wiley is now, since 2008. How about that? So 12, 12 years. Yeah. So we've, um, we, we've, we've got a lot of experience now in, in working with everything Disc. Right. And you mentioned Pink Bucket thinking pink bucket thinking we have a website pink bucket thinking where where people can have a look at uh, what that's all about very cool and um and our book yeah and um and just to say with both the belief change and with the pink bucket thinking you can download the um the free pdf version of the book oh so um those are available Oh, that's fantastic. And also on the Pink Bucket Thinking site, you will find on there 52 videos that Tony and I um, filmed a couple of years ago. We created these videos. So there's videos for each of the chapters in the Pink Bucket Thinking. Oh, my gracious heavens. Okay, and, great. Uh, what a resource. Uh, fantastic. They're kind of between about um, a minute and a half and four minutes. They're just small, short videos. And you'll see when you, when you go on there that um, we filmed them on the beach in southern Spain. Nice. <laughs> Not too shabby. Um, and little secret exposed right there of another way of doing marketing. You know, you create wonderful content for people and give it away for free. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you so much for today. Appreciate it. Oh, it's been really delightful, Doug. It really has. And, um, you know, I hope uh, that I've said something that might be of value to to your listener or listeners. We'll we'll go through all that with a fine-tooth comb and maybe something will pop out. So Yeah, but please do (laughs) contact me if um, you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn and uh, and also on Facebook. So more marketing right there. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for joining me. If you want any more information about today's show, please visit our website at www.essentialcoachingskills.com. Be sure to tune in again next week for our next episode and discover even more about the systems and the secrets that set the best apart.